Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protein Pros, Jivadon's new podcast series on alternative proteins. My name is Eve Landon, and I'm the media manager for Jivadon Taste and Wellbeing. Today, we're going to take you back to the classroom. I'm here with Sudhir Joshi, who is a professor in the product development program at the University of California, Berkeley. Sudhir is shaping minds and advising young companies working in new markets. And luckily enough for us at Jivadon, his research includes the alternative protein space, where he and his students have worked on numerous studies for Jivadon, all related to plant protein, and most recently, a comprehensive report on the plant-based fish and seafood industry. Hi, Sudhir, and welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Eve. Good to be here. So, Sudhir, tell me a little bit about how you got into the alternative protein space and what excites you about it. That's a great question. I was truly surprised by the size of environmental impact of foods that we eat that are made by animals, meaning meat, poultry, seafood, and dairy. It's not just a greenhouse gas impact, which itself is very large, but land usage, water usage, and pollution caused by raising these animals are truly of epic proportions. You can drive by King Ranch on Interstate 5 in California or a feedlot in eastern states in the, in the United States, and you can smell it and you can see it. Something had to be done, but it wasn't clear what. Uh, until companies like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat came along, Then the whole space has blossomed into multiple companies working on multiple angles of this problem, and that's really good to see. I believe that we are at the beginning of a food tech revolution, and the food tech industry today, I believe, is where the burgeoning computer industry was in the mid-70s. And we will see the same kind of explosive growth in this space. I tell my students that this is the time to get into this industry on the ground floor. That's a really great analogy, and it's spoken like a true entrepreneur. Um, let's talk about what your research says. Uh, in, the me- in the introduction, I mentioned that you've recently coached some students in creating a report on the plant-based fish and seafood industry. What were you setting out to do with this research? Yeah, uh, we wanted to determine the size and kinds of opportunity for plant-based protein products that mimic fish and seafood. Uh, There are plant-based burgers and chicken on the market and they look and taste delicious. But the seafood and fish are just in the early stages of development. And we wanted to see which fish and seafood products may come to the market first and what are the market, technology, and customer preference forces that would drive this. Right. So let's dive right in. Um, I know, Jivadan, we sometimes refer to the growing popularity of plant-based seafood as the fishless wave. Tell us a little about a bit about what's driving the demand for these products. There are many factors that are driving this growing popularity. And in simple terms, fish consumption around the world is steadily going up while fish stocks are decreasing for a number of reasons. On a worldwide scale, each person consumes on average of about 20 kilos of fish per year. But we can't supply at those levels sustainably. Uh, Today, about one third of fishing is biologically unsustainable. So fish is as popular as ever, but the supplies are dwindling. The farm-raised fish or aquaculture now accounts for about one half of fish production. But it comes with its own problems. Uh, particularly pollution. 
Consumers have a number of additional ethical, environmental, and well-being concerns. I mentioned pollution. Uh, There are concerns with marine plastics in the fishing industry, microplastics found in the gut of fish and seafood. And in aquaculture, there are concerns about excess feed, fertilizer, fish excrement, and pesticides. And additionally, the fish are a predominant source of methylmercury exposure. So it's not just one of these on its own, but rather the combination of so many factors, I think that is driving interest in the plant-based products. And with the pandemic that we are in right now, that has really boosted the interest in plant-based products. Right, sure. That that really makes a lot of sense. Um, I know for myself, many of the ecological pressures you're mentioning also translate into concerns for us as consumers. So let's put the consumer back into the center of the equation. What are they looking for in all of this? First of all, it has to taste good. If you are going to replace something with something new, it has to taste good. So unless it tastes like the real thing, I don't think people would buy it. Uh, Second, because we eat seafood and fish for nutrition, it must have a nutritional profile similar to real seafood and fish, meaning it must be high in protein, the right kind of protein, high in good fats like omega-3, micronutrients like vitamins and others. Um, Third, um, the texture similar to meat-based products or the real products is important. Um, On a scale of one to 10 from easy to hard, I think getting the texture of a crab cake right will be about three or four because there are other ingredients like breadcrumbs, et cetera, that give more degrees of control. But texture of a salmon or a tuna filet would be much harder. There is real concern about the natural fish and seafood because of mercury exposure and microplastic uh, contamination in crustaceans, and the plant-based analogs will be free of those. So from from what you told us, from ecological pressures to health concerns to climate change, there are certainly many different factors driving the demand for plant-based fish products. So let's look at the flip side now. Is the industry ready to meet that demand? And where do you think the opportunities lie? If you look at the investors who are backing plant-based meats, fish, and seafood, you will see all the big players there, like Cargill, Smithfield, Tyson, Purdue. They're all investing in this space. Uh, Many of them have invested in startup companies. Many have their own plant-based products on the market. Uh, Fast food companies like Burger King, KFC, and Dunkin' have plant-based products alongside traditional meat-based products in their offering. Uh, You can see that the big food companies are getting ready for this revolution. So I think the industry has been ready for plant-based meats and poultry. And similarly, investments for products from these big players will come in fish and seafood space. There are several startups, I mean, too many to count, working in this space. But plant-based and cell culture, and these have raised vast sums of money. So Yes, I think the industry has been anticipating this and they are ready for this revolution. That's great. So what you're saying is that the knowledge and the technologies are really starting to come together to make successful products. Which fish and seafood dishes are the best candidates if you're looking to transition to a plant-based option? Yeah, so that's the project that we did. And we did extensive research on various attributes of product, process, and consumer preferences to score rankings of key fish and seafood categories. The key attributes we studied were price and demand, environmental impact, 
mercury and other metal contamination, and product technology development that is needed to create fission seafood analogs. Uh, our research found that salmon, shrimp, and tuna were the most likely candidates for the first round of launch of the fish and seafood analogs in the market. And I think crab would be close second. We believe these analogs would be leading products coming to the market from various companies. And many of them would require flavors and other products from Jivadan. Sure, sure. So those are three definite seafood staples in our house. Um, and I bet that's true for many households. So, dear, we're getting to the end of our segment today. But before you go, let's look even further into the future. Where do you think we might see new breakthroughs in plant-based seafood? I see three major breakthroughs needed in this space. Creating right texture, incorporating the right fats, and reducing costs of using cell culture to grow fish and seafood cells. For texture, for example, uh, would be flakiness of tuna or salmon, the non-fibrous firmness of shrimp, or delicate fibrous nature of crab. Incorporating right fats to provide health benefits of fish like omega-3 fatty acids. Customers would demand the same health benefits from analogs in addition to taste, and that would require fats that have similar fatty acid profiles. My best guess is that these will come from fermentation, probably algae. I think the biggest challenge will be using cell culture grown cells for fish and seafood. And the cost of these are very high today. How that cost curve comes down um, will determine their use in commercial products, is what I think. That's really fascinating, actually. Um, and I'm sure many of these changes will come a lot faster than we might even imagine. So, Sujar, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Oh, you're most welcome, Eve. Uh, we have done three great projects with Jivada so far. Our students have benefited, really benefited by the work and the engagement of the Jivada experts. And I look forward to another project this year. Thanks so much, Sudhir. That's all for today's episode. If you're interested in finding out more about plant-based fish and seafood alternatives, be sure to download the white paper from the Jivadan website or get in touch with your local Jivadan partner. And if you'd like to know more about creating tastier and healthier alternative protein products, please tune in to our other episodes of The Protein Pros, Jivadan's podcast series on alternative proteins.